So the way we survived as a species was we would sit around the campfire and our elders and our uncles and our aunts would tell stories. And laced in those stories were lessons about living. And the human brain, when you study it, is designed for nothing, nothing but survival first. If you really think about it, humans as an animal, you put us up against a grizzly bear, <laughs> game over. You put us up against a cheetah, a t whatever, game over. But if you put us together and we know how to interact together and we know how to work together, we can dominate anything. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Hey, hey welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and I believe in the power of story, and so does my guest today. Cannot wait for you to hear our conversation. Real quick reminder, as we get into that, the website is where everything is, great resources, past episodes and interviews, contact information for me, the storytellersnetwork.com is where all that lives. Now, today's guest demystifies personal branding and digital marketing to help people achieve their dreams. People just like you, Don Stanley is a marketing coach, a speaker, and an award-winning University of Wisconsin faculty member. Uh, he teaches students also, as you'll hear, another group of people, very special, near and dear to my heart, but he teaches others how to use story in their lives and create personal branding and an origin story. So, Guy's a storyteller, an educational one at that. He's also the co-founder of the Wisconsin-based Three Rhino Media. So uh, we get into all of that in our conversation today. Um, he's man, just an incredible guy. So you will get a lot out of this. I guarantee it. Personal branding is a big part of it in your origin story. So without further ado, let's get to those stories. So the man, the myth, the legend, Don Stanley. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Don. I appreciate you taking time to uh, give the storytellers a little bit of education in this season. Absolutely. And I'm a man, myth, and legend in my own head only. My own head only, but that's all right. Hey, man. My dad has always told me all my life, you are a legend in your own mind, not time. <laughs> mind. So, so I'm the same way. It's all good. Um, so, Don, when I reached out to you and said, would you join me for this uh, this podcast interview, were you a bit surprised or do you see yourself as a storyteller? Um, I think well, it's probably a combination. I think over time, what I have learned is that what connects us in terms of the work that I do is getting people to be creators and tell a story and tell their story. And when they learn that whenever anybody learns that we all, no matter your age, no matter where you come from, everybody has a story. When we learn to communicate that, when we learn to communicate it in a real way, um, we're able to make connections and do something that I'm really passionate about, which is start to build our community and network and start to attract people uh, who have some congruency with us. And, and I think that's something that, um, you know, I've read a lot about in the last year, listened to a lot of podcasts about uh, the department that I teach in. One thing I do in addition to consulting is I teach at the University of Wisconsin, and we talk a lot about neuroscience and the impact storytelling has on the brain. But what I really, I think what I've really come to understand is how we each have our own story 
And when we learn to understand it and embrace it and become creators in terms of using it, we have the ability to use it to accomplish anything, whether we want to get new clients, we want to get a new job, we want to make people more aware of something going on in the world. Uh, it doesn't matter who it is or what it is you want to accomplish. I think story is the fundamental cornerstone. Um, so, so in some ways I was surprised and in some ways it's kind of serendipitous because I've been really tracking in that direction and trying to think about how I can extend that more to my students and my clients as I move forward. Yeah. So we'll get back to the work you do in a minute, but I want to chase what you just said about uh, stories connecting us and you can get what you want out of story. So what is it as you've been reading, as you've been learning this neuroscience side of it, as you talk about it in, in your courses, what is it about story that does get us to do what others want? Well, I think if you think about it, it's, it's innate in us. So the way we survived as a species was we would sit around the campfire and our elders and our uncles and our aunts would tell stories. And laced in those stories were lessons about living. And the human brain, when you study it, is designed for nothing, nothing but survival first. Um, Mel Robbins talks a lot about this and, um, you know, why, our, why we do the things that we do. Um, and I've been grooving on a lot of her stuff as well recently. But the, the stories that we were told were meant to impart to us lessons of how we could survive. Because if you really think about it, humans as an animal, you put us up against a grizzly bear, game over. You put us up against a cheetah, a whatever, game over. But if you put us together and we know how to interact together and we know how to work together, we can dominate anything. And not necessarily dominate in a, in a power way, but we can not only survive, we can thrive. And that's what we've done. So if you really think about it, our brains learn through sitting around and listening to f uh, stories around campfires, which still people, when there's a campfire and you have a good storyteller, we all feel drawn to that. I mean, we, and that is something that is wired into us. So if you study the neuroscience of it, our brains light up different parts of our brains, just like fireworks light up when we hear story and whether it's a parable or it's a, you know, a, whatever it is. And so we're just, designed to learn and listen and make sense of the world through story. And that's why it's so critical. It, it isn't new. This is how we were wired and it goes way back into our DNA uh, that's built around the idea of survival first. And then the way we survived, if you think about it, the only way we survived was by connecting with other humans so we could help each other out and we could be cooperative. And that's how story brings us together and helps us form our networks, form our tribes. Uh, and that's, that's a term that I use very specifically because it is tribal in a, in a real way to, to connect with people, whether that's through a church or a volunteer group or uh, a professional group. When we hear particular stories, it's like, those are my people. I get that story, it resonates and you feel something. You don't just hear it, you actually feel it. And you don't just process it intellectually, you feel it emotionally. Um, and again, data backs all of this up. And that's why I get really geeked about it. Because when we learn to tell our own story, again, that's where we can find work and community and people, whether we want to be an employee or an employer, uh, that, uh, that makes us and fulfills us in a way that nothing else can. I love that those are my people. When you hear the right story, those are my people. I love how you said that, Don. Um, so, so storytelling really can be 
it can really touch every aspect of our lives, professional, personal, volunteer, everything. Storytellers out there listening can, can find meaningful work in storytelling in some way is what I'm hearing you say. 100%. And one of the things I always push my students in particular, because one thing I get in my student work that's different than my client work. So in my client work, I do a lot of consulting and you know, people have their own businesses and they have some sense of who they are and why they're doing what they're doing. But the thing I always get from young people, and this is where I'm putting a lot of energy in trying to figure out, can I work with young people to discover what their story is? Because when they do, their sense of meaning in terms of whatever it is they're doing go way up. So just as a little bit of background, um, if you look at depression rates, anxiety rates, all kinds of mental health rates amongst young people, they're at record all-time highs. And I think, mm. you know, I think it's an epidemic. Um, the number two cause of death, men between the ages of 10 and 39 is suicide. Mm. And I am a firm believer that one of the main reasons for that is in our culture, after you ask somebody their name, the next thing that we ask somebody is, do you want to take a guess? So what do you do? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so we're defined in our culture by what we do. And if we don't feel like what we do is meaningful and important, we beat on ourselves and we don't feel like we're of value. So what I do with my students is, is I, I always ask them, why did you pick this field? And they'll say, oh, well, I wanted, always wanted to be a doctor. And I'll say, I do the five whys with them to get to the root of the story. And I'll say, well, why is that? Well, you know, I thought medicine would be interesting. I said, yeah, medicine's interesting, but so are a lot of other things. Why did you do that? Well, when I was a little kid, my youngest uh, sibling got really, really sick. And I just remember being really scared that something was going to happen. Well, why? What did, that, what did that do to you in terms of wanting to be a doctor? Well, I just remember my mom being scared, my dad being scared of these wonderful nurses and doctors comforting us and guiding us through. And I want to give that back to somebody else. That's a way more powerful story than saying, I want to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so, so the idea is when we dig and we all learn our own origin story, and most of us are not to th taught to think about our origin story, we're taught to think, you need to have an impressive answer when somebody says, what do you do? Mm. So do something that's impressive, not meaningful to you. Mm. It's an under, and I've seen it through thousands and thousands of college students. I've taught for 20 years. I've taught a personal branding course that I brought to campus, and I see it all the stinking time. It really, again, this is part of where I feel like part of my upcoming mission needs to be in helping people understand their own story so then they can communicate it. And when you say to somebody in a job interview to get into medical school, that's your origin story of why you want to be a doctor versus I just want to help people. Your passion comes across, your drive comes across, the understanding that you're going to accept the good with the bad because every profession, every work, every line of work has bad or hard parts to it. When you know that why of your own story and you learn that origin story for yourself, you just, there's a level of fulfillment with that comes with it that everybody, whether you're 10 years old or a hundred years old can have. And so I think really in our culture, learning to appreciate stories and our own stories, learning to sit with ourselves and, and listen to our own stories and figure them out and how to communicate them is really a cornerstone. But I, and, I, and just to, to, to finish up on that. I do the same thing with my clients as I will say, I don't care what you do. I want to understand why did you get into it? So that when you're telling somebody, I wanted to start this business because that's going to be part of how we connect with people to let them know 
um, what it is that you do. And, and Mark Schaefer's book, The Marketing Rebellion, talks about this, that millennials and Gen Zers are looking to purchase from companies that align with their values and that they connect with the story. So again, it's something that isn't, this isn't like woo woo, let's kumbaya around a campfire, which I wouldn't mind doing anyway. But, I mean, sure, let's but, do it. <laughs> but, but like I said, in, in reality, it, it hits all parts of the human spirit and psyche that I think are essential to being successful uh, and impactful today. And whether it's whether it's Mark's book, who uh, by the way is a, is a a great interview, and uh, in, in the in the back catalog here, the Storytellers Network. So go back and listen to those uh, to that Absolutely. one. Um, in addition to Mark talking about it, and in addition to to others who are kind of talking about it, I mean, you work with with this next generation, these next two generations, as you mentioned at University of Wisconsin. Yep. Are are you seeing story becoming uh, a big part of their lives? In you know as, as with what they're doing, like, like what are you seeing out Absolutely. there? Yeah. I, what I run into is resistance. So the other thing I sh I'll qualify too is I also work with military in transition. So I work with, uh, there's a fighter, uh, fighter, air force fighter base here in Madison that I'm an honorary commander at. And one of my roles is to help military people who are transitioning from military career. And I've been, I've been having a slew of people who are actually retiring after 20 to 30 years uh, but sometimes it's just with people in transition and they're a lot like my students. And so it isn't just a student thing. That's what I want to impart. And what they'll say is I really don't have much to offer. And I'll be like, wait, what, <laughs> you know, you've done all of these things and you don't have much to offer. So what, what the first thing that I run into is resistance that, well, I really am not that interesting. I don't have that interesting of a story. And I'd like, you, you know, the goal here isn't to make you into the world's greatest story, but the goal here is to understand what drives you. And when you can communicate to yourself what drives you, your level of resilience, your level of passion, your level of ability to commit to your craft go way up. But also as you learn to communicate that story effectively, what ends up happening is you connect with people, people on a significantly deeper level. So when you go into a job interview, you crush that job interview. When you're starting to build, and this is where I push my students as well as my uh, people in military in transition, when you start to become a content creator online, you start to overcome your self-doubt and your fears and you start to crush it online and people start to follow you and connect with you because they see what you bring to the table. And everybody wants that. Everybody, you know, when you find somebody who really believes in what the, you know, Martin Luther King is one of my favorite examples because by all accounts, he should have been completely unsuccessful. If you study his graduate school entrance exam scores, he was told that he had zero chance of ever being successful in graduate school. And when you consider what he was up against culturally, uh, when there was no internet, there was no TV, there were no, I mean, there was TV, but there was no way to be on, you know, have your own network or anything how did he communicate and create this movement of people that literally changed our country? And he did it because the vision that he had resonated so deeply with people that one of my favorite things is, you know, I talk about in a lot of my presentations, August 28th, 1963, Martin Luther King gives this speech uh, in Washington, DC and 250,000 people show up, no internet, no cell phones, literally people got killed trying to travel there or could be killed, especially in the South, trying to travel to listen to this speech. And the question is how many people showed up 
for Martin Luther King? And the answer is zero. The reason people showed up, it was for themselves because they felt like they were a part of it. You can extend that to uh, the Grateful Dead as an example, you know? I mean, the great, so it isn't just, you know, somebody like King, it's Grateful Dead. If you look at how much money they made through their albums and how many great songs they had, it was almost none. They, I think they had one top 40 hit, mm -hmm. but they created this tribal experience where it was, everybody was a part of it. So, you know, you can extend it in all different areas when you look for it and it's that, hey, you guys, don't get to listen to the story. You guys are part of the story. We're in this together. So when I often tell my story, when I go and speak with veterans about my dad's experiences in Korea and the PTSD he suffered and how that had an impact on me because it had impacted our family and it impacted me big time. And I say, I'm here and I'm not getting paid because I don't want anybody else to go through the same crap my dad went through and I went through. I can see everybody in the room totally change their perspective of me mm. because they're like, you get it. And, and so you have to be real in what you're saying, but the idea is it connects people with you when you tell them a little bit of your background. And I think sharing our struggles also lightens the burden of we don't have to be perfect. And we learn that everybody stumbles. And we also learn that and this is where storytellers can support each other is that, you know, someday, Dan, you're going you're gonna to stumble, but you know what? We're connected now, so I'll be there for you and vice versa. And we all need that as well. The feelings of loneliness and isolation that Mark talks about in his book, Marketing Rebellion, is something I'm very, very passionate about working to eradicate, um, is that sense of, you know, I'm the only one experiencing this. And when you hear people's stories of struggle, you realize, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not alone. And there is hope and there is opportunity. And that's the thing I think I see that's the saddest is the level of mental health issues amongst my students have just skyrocketed in the last five to 10 years. And to be 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old and feel like there isn't hope. I mean, you know, that, that's something that uh, is sad to me. And mm -hmm. so, and, and same thing with people who've been in business 20 years who are like, yeah, just going through the motions. I don't know why I do this. And, you know, and it's like our stories when we learn to embrace them can re reignite that fire in us to remind us, you know, why we do what we do and, and help extend that to other people like Dr. King did or the, the Grateful Dead did or, you know, whoever it is that you want to pick. Mm -hmm. It pulls them in and says, hey, just like sitting around the campfire, this is my tribe. These are my people. I believe in something now and, and I'm not alone. And that, that is why story is just so incredibly powerful. And story, what I heard you say too is uh, uh, the words pop into my mind are vulnerable and authentic. 1000%. But then we also have to be careful that we're not like, like there's, there's two, two thoughts here that I want to try to chase at the same time. We'll see how yeah. this goes. <laughs> squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. Right. But there's this, there's this idea that, and it might've, it might actually been Mark Schaefer that said this, but, um, but somebody I remember having a conversation with, and I, and I said something about authenticity. It might've been Seth Godin, actually. I think it was Seth. Yeah. I talked about authenticity and he basically said, authenticity is bullshit. You don't want an authentic doctor. You don't want to know that a doctor operating on you struggled or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, sure. I can understand a little bit of that, but also there's like a structured authenticity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right? It's, it's authenticity and context. In context um, my like favorite that. person by far for this bar none is Brene Brown. I love Brene Brown. And one of my favorite interviews that she did 
Um, and maybe we'll try to find it so you can include it in the show notes. Is she talks about how she was brought to a conference to speak in London to high-end bankers at whatever the highest-end bank is in, in, in the UK. I have no idea what it was. They introduce her, and she said, uh, you know, she's here to talk about vulnerability, and everybody looks at her like, what? We're about making money. We're about this. We're, why in the world would we have her there? And what I love about Brene is she calls, she, she speaks truth, and she'll speak hard truths, not to hurt anybody, uh, but to challenge people. And she said, tell you what, if you guys don't want me here, there's this umbrella store in London that I've always wanted to go to. I'm going to speak for the next five to 10 minutes. And if we all agree that I shouldn't be here and you don't want me here, I'm leaving to go get umbrellas. But if I give this five to 10 minutes and we all agree that I, I should be here, then I'll stay. And so she opens it up and she says, have any of you, what, what's the toughest part of your job? And they kind of go around the room and people answer. And what it came down to was the toughest part of their job was ethics, knowing when to do something that might cost the bank money, but was the right thing to do. And when to point out somebody who was crossing the ethical line and when to shut up. And she said, so how does that make you feel? And it started welling up all of these feelings of, I feel really vulnerable in what am I supposed to do? Who am I? Am I the person who's going to step up and say, we're breaking the law here and we need to call this out and we need to do the right thing? Or am I going to be the person who just is complicit and says, well, it's going to make us a lot of money. And she said, isn't that vulnerability? Isn't that the essence of being vulnerable is being honest with yourself and authentic in that moment to say, this is wrong. I don't know if anybody else is going to stand up, but I'm going to have the courage to stand up because this doesn't align. Then one of the people says, I'm sorry, Brene, you're going to have to go to the, the uh, uh, umbrella shop next time you're in town. <laughs> so, so the idea being that regardless of the field, I, I would challenge Seth on that. I don't need my surgeon to be authentic in that moment, but I need him to be real with himself so that when he's in there or she's in there, they are there with purpose and focus that they're they've dealt with the issues that they need to deal with some of this you know are things that are authentic that you do deal with behind closed doors but what i have found is that as i've told some of my story to people what that has done is that has made people say i had no idea you dealt with that too mm -hmm. and it doesn't need to be anything huge it can just be okay i struggle with add I'm, I'm squirrel, 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 squirrel. Oh, really? Oh, so you have, and it starts a conversation because everybody assumes everybody they see as successful at some level has some unique traits that are only privy to that person. We want to make, Tom Bilyeu talks about this a lot on his show, Impact Theory. We want to make people extraordinary, extraordinarily gifted so we have an excuse not to try. Mm-hmm. And that's BS. And so when we realize that we hear the story again, this, the surgeon is an interesting example, but you know, in context, I do want to know what motivates and drives somebody so that I know where they're, where they're coming from. And so, yeah, I, I do agree that there has to be, you know, boundaries of what that authenticity is. But I think more often than not, we don't even come close to touching on it, which dehumanizes us in the business world. And it's like, there's a business me, and then there's a real me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? 
why isn't there a congruency between the two? And, and you and I have had a, the, you know, the privilege of getting to know some really amazing people like a Mark Schaefer and Chris Brogan and uh, mm. other folks like oh. that. And it's like, they are exactly who they are online and offline. And that is authenticity. That is congruency. That is why I'm such a huge fan is because what you see is what you get. We've also run into others who you see them on stage or you read their books and then you meet them and you're like, whoa, wait, <laughs> this is not, wait, is this, is this an act? And that, you know, that, that's part that I think learning to embrace your own story, you, you, know, you learn you don't have to act. You just have to be, you attract your tribe, you take care of your 1,000 true fans and you'll have, you know, the impact that's meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. And vulnerability doesn't have to mean always, like, like the thing I, I, I struggle with personally, I'm, I'm a very optimistic person. Mm-hmm. And even when my life isn't perfect, there are things to be grateful for and things to shine a light Absolutely. on. And so I struggle sometimes thinking, well, maybe I don't share enough when I do have my struggles, like in social media in particular, because we are so connected and social focused. But then on the other hand, I don't want to be, I don't want to be negative and make people go, oh, he's just whining. Right. Mm-hmm. So that vulnerability, yeah. like you have to be able to share your struggles, but not always talk about how bad things are. Absolutely. Um, I, yes. And I want to jump and sorry for cutting up. Yeah, go I, ahead. I, I love what you just said. Cause it flickered to me. You don't want to go online to vent. Right. right. So what I'm talking about here is sharing your story and sharing your vulnerabilities and saying, how did you work with it and how did you manage it? Or what are you trying to give somebody some inspiration? Mm-hmm. So, you know, as an example, talking about dealing with my dad's PTSD and growing up in a violent alcoholic home. I don't say that to say, woe is me. I say that to say, you know, you're not alone. And here's what I've learned is helpful. One is do this, do this, do this. So you could say, you know, I'm going through a rough patch. And what I've found recently is as I've gone through this rough patch, I've been struggling with focus. So here's something, if you're going through a rough patch, maybe this could help you. I've learned Mel Robbins five second rule and I'm practicing that. I actually was, I'm actually doing some of these things myself and I'm, I'm coming up with a name for them and where I'm doing 30, multiple 30 day experiments because all of us have stuff going on. And the 30-day experiment that I'm talking about, because I primarily am active on LinkedIn right now is kind of my main place to try to grow my platform, is I'm doing a 30 days of I get to versus I have to. Yeah. So every time I catch myself saying, I have to do this, I have to do this, and some of it is unpleasant life stuff that I'm having to do right now, and trying to frame it instead of as I get to, and I'm just reporting back. And all I said with to, to kind of give you a frame of how I, I share these things out, as I said, got a lot of stuff going on, probably like a lot of you, you know, being empathetic. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to work my way through it so that I can come out of it better on the other side, which always isn't easy. So for the next 30 days, what I'm doing is I've been thinking about this experiment of saying I have to do something and switching it to I get to do something. And that's how I frame it. So it doesn't become a, Oh, woe is me. My life sucks. And I'm crying and I'm bringing other people down. It's, you know, I'm, I'm in the muck with you right now, brother. I'm in the muck with you right now, sister. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to move forward. And if I can help you by sharing a little bit of what I'm doing, or you help me in the comments of something you did. Now we're learning to deal with it in a positive way. And that's part of the vulnerability story. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thanks for explaining that for listeners.
And then yeah. <clears throat> when you talk about origin story and, and using that authenticity, using that vulnerability and having an origin story, mm-hmm. that speaks to personal brand to me, which is what you work on. 100%. How does, like, does everybody, this, this might seem like a really dumb question. Does everybody have to have an epic origin story in order to be successful in whatever they're working on? No, because the word epic is subjective, hmm. right? What one person might see, uh, like I, I'm watching right now uh, Inside Bill Gates' Brain, and it's a Netflix show. Mm-hmm. And his origin story is not, a lot of it is like he grew up privileged, and he'll say it, he grew up with a great experiences. And, but there's elements of his story that I didn't know that have made me much more of a fan of him because it adds a human element. So I wouldn't classify his story as like epic and extraordinary in in any way versus a lot of the other stories that I'm familiar with. What it has to be is meaningful. And what I always talk to people about, this is a cornerstone reading that my students in every class I've ever taught have to read. And it is called 1000 True Fans by Kevin Kelly. So Kevin Kelly was the founding editor of Wired Magazine. I learned about this through listening to one of Tim Ferriss's podcasts years ago. And the whole idea behind 1,000 True Fans is that all of us can build a fan base. And then in this case, he talks about it from an economic perspective. But he said, if all of us can create a true fan, and a true fan is somebody who, in the example he gives is a musician, they know you're dropping a new song, they're going to buy it. They know you're playing within five hours of where they live. They're getting in the car and they're going. And what he said is if you have 1,000 true fans and each of those fans generates $100 in revenue for you a year, you now have $100,000 gross revenue. So it doesn't take a whole lot. And I've got example after example that I can share with listeners. So if anybody ever wants to tweet at me or whatever and say, hey, can you share some examples? I literally collect these to, to motivate myself. But the idea is that a lot of the most successful people, not just financially, but in life, but I, I look for both, the overlap of both, mm-hmm. we don't know who they are. Their origin story is epic to only 1,000 people on the planet, but it matters to them and they're able to build that foundation of customers that come to their store, whether it's a coffee shop or a auto dealer or whatever it is, and that's all they need. And the cool thing with with community, with us being human, is what do those 1,000 fans do? They tell other people about your business. They tell other people about who you are. Hey, did you walk into this place? You know, I went in there and I ordered a cup of coffee and somebody, you know, tripped me and I fell and I dropped it and immediately the baristas cleaned it up and the owner came over and said, hey, here's a free cup and no worries, no problem. Right there, those little experiences like that, Mm-hmm. having somebody hold a door for you. There's, a, there's another show, um, again, sorry if I geek out on all these no, tangents, this is good. but I just watched a phenomenal episode of a show called Seven Days to um, Seven Days Out. Seven Days Out. It's, about, uh, it's on Netflix, and it's about being seven days out from something major happening, uh, space shuttle launching. or in, The one that I loved is this restaurant opening in New York City, and it was rated the number one restaurant literally in the world. And they totally decided to redo their entire restaurant, including gutting it and closing it for six months in New York City, which was a shock. Wow. I'm not, I'll eat anywhere, you know, I, I'm not a restaurant fan, you know, 
But what I loved about if you watch that episode and a, and a good friend highly recommended it was in the entire episode, the idea of being intentional about everything you do to make the experience of the people who walk in as great as possible. They literally have people fly from Australia, from China, from Japan, from Europe, just to come and get a meal and fly back home. That's how big this restaurant is. And what the guy said, what the two owners said is, people don't come here to eat. They come here to celebrate milestone life experiences that they never wanna forget. And we're here to make that experience the most phenomenal experience they ever had. So they don't have to think about anything but enjoying being who they're with. Mm-hmm. We can all do that to somebody with our, you know, so our origin story and our, you know, again, this restaurant I had no interest in and I could never afford to eat there probably. <laughs> Plus I couldn't justify affording to eat there. Right. But, but the idea of just that is a little origin story where I, I just want to make people feel special and I want to do it through food because we gather around food, the most important parts of our life around food. So my epic origin story is I grew up loving food and just watching my grandma create food in the kitchen and everybody coming in and being, that's not epic to most people, but to that person and other foodies, Absolutely it is. Mm-hmm. So they, they have their 1,000 true fans who, you know, they're much bigger than that, obviously, being the, the number, sure. One, sure. number one restaurant in the world. But, uh, but the idea is that we can all start out and if we all focus on taking care, and that was part of their underlying message too, is take care of the people who are there for you. Don't worry about anybody else. And your origin story is going to be meaningful to somebody and even if it's if only meaningful and epic to one, pe- one person out of 100 people in a room, focus on that one person and take care of them. Yep. Don't I mean, focus yeah. on the other 99, which is our tendency. Right. Take care of that one person who raised their hand and said, hey, your message meant something to me. So when somebody likes your content on social media, send a thank you. When somebody comments on something, send a voice thank you or a video thank you. When somebody interacts with you, they're raising their hand and they're saying something that is letting them know, letting you know that they might be a true fan. Um, so, um, yeah, it's something that I get really obviously passionate about because I think uh, the idea that we all feel like we have to have something extraordinary in order to make connections is, is false. Mm-hmm. All we have to do is have things in common with somebody else that can connect us. And when we share why we're interested in something, um, what drives us to be interested in that. I think that starts that whole human connection, human relationship that Mm -hmm. leads to us being able to, you know, tell our stories in meaningful, powerful ways. Mm, Absolutely. And that one person in that room of a hundred do that a thousand times and you've got your thousand true fans. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I love your advice. I I wrote down a note because I'm going to, I'm going to put this in the show notes. Uh, as one of the points, because for storytellers looking for those people with whom they should connect, right? Whether it's social media, whatever it is, um, the idea that when someone interacts with you, go above and beyond, send them a video thank you. Yep. Send them, I mean, gosh, you could even go old school and send them a, a handwritten note somehow, like maybe an image Absolutely. of it, right? But yeah, I mean, so so if you're <clears throat> trying to get your story out there, and that's, that's often one of the things that I try and talk about in these conversations. How do we get our stories out there? That's a way to do it. When you begin 100%. to find those true fans, truly go above and beyond, huh? And, and, the, and the way that I started out, if you're trying to build your digital presence, and I taught this and I have 
incredible success stories. Um, I mean, just like mind-blowingly cool success stories with this. Find people whose stuff resonates with you. Find businesses whose stuff resonates with you and give thoughtful comments on their content, thanking them for sharing that. Mm. And they're going to be like, wait, what? Because what I have found is, you know, I've been lucky enough to get close to and build friendships with a lot of what we would call big names in our field. Mm-hmm. And people will say, how did you do that? And I always say, well, don't you know who I am? And they're like, uh, no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, then, you know. So obviously <laughs> it isn't because of my, you know, my profile. It's because when somebody did something or does something that really helps me, I go out of my way to say, I bet you that person probably doesn't hear thank you enough. And what did uh, Maya Angelou say? She said, people won't remember what you said or what you did. They'll remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And if I go out of my way and part of my story is he's the person who went out of their way to send a personal message, a video, a voice message on LinkedIn, whatever it was, or find my address and mail it to my office or, you know, find that I was interested in something certain. Like as I got to know Chris Brogan, I found out he loved Batman. So when I, when we got to know each other, he came in and did a guest lecture for me. And so I sent him an old school Batman, you know, and he was like, dude, that is so cool. Thank you so much. And what it shows is that you're listening. So you can do that for businesses too. find, like if you want to ever work at a business, you know, find out what the, the people at the business and what they're doing and congratulate them and thank them for working on with, with cool projects or, you know, volunteering their time with Habitat for Humanity or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that starts to get you on the radar. And that's part of content creation, actually. And starting to learn to tell your own story is to learn how to, you know, send those messages and post those messages, whether they're public or private, and really learning to resonate. And again, part of that part of my story, and it's, I think it's in part being brought up in the Midwest, is to express gratitude to people who help you. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm going to do. And I've never once had somebody say, you know, you're a real jerk for sending me that message. You know, I can't believe you did right. that. Right. Every single time I've had somebody say, you know, thanks. That was so nice. I was not expecting that. Yep. So, Yep. Set, get, explode through those expectations. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's so yep. easy to do. I mean, it really is. It's not that it's not that expensive. Yep. You know, when you talk about trying to set yourself apart and create that personal brand, whether it's person, personal or mm-hmm. small company, personal, it doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to go above and beyond and take some time and some thought. Absolutely. And yeah. that's, and that's the part where that becomes then part of our story is we are the company. We are the individual who's human. Mm-hmm. right? We are the ones who go out of our way to not take people for granted. Um, one of the things I always, and, 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 you know, I've been in business almost 25 years, so I get business. I've worked with fortune 500 companies, NFL athletes, NBA. So I've worked with big money stuff and I've worked with companies that have no money, you know? And, and the thing that separates the successful from the unsuccessful, in my opinion, the fulfilled from the unfulfilled are the people who go out of their way to take care of their core customers. And the example that I always give is, so I, I'm with, I've been with the same cell phone company for 20 years and it's because of where I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's limited choice because I live out in, the, out in the country. And I will get these things in the mail that'll say, if you're a new customer, we have this great deal for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm thinking, 
how much money have I given you over the last 20 years? And what you're going to do is you're going to take me for granted that, you know, you're not going to go out of your way to say, Hey, you know, I know we're not going to make any money off of this, but we're going to give you a free, you know, whatever, because you've been with us so long. Mm -hmm. And what we tend to do is we tend to chase those new leads rather than taking care of our core customers. And if we are smart, the best marketing department in the world, the best sales force in the world is a satisfied customer who's going to brag you up to their connections. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you start thinking about that. And again, you start sending those messages to people on social. And then eventually you reach out and you say, hey, I'd love to get hired at your company. Do you have any uh, suggestions on where I might start or who I might do an informational interview? And I've reached out 10 times giving you complimentary, you know, think real compliments about what you're doing as a company or an organization. Mm -hmm. You think I have a pretty decent chance of getting somebody to say, sure, we'll find some for you versus the person who's looking for that one time only sale of, Hey, I need a job. Can I talk to somebody at your company? <laughs> right. I want to get hired there. Yep. So, you know, the idea is, you know, you take people will, the smart businesses will take care of places that we are loyal to. And one of the ways to show that loyalty digitally is again, through comments, uh, and interactions on social, sharing other people's stuff on social as well. So if you believe in a company, you believe in an organization, share out their stuff, become one of their marketing departments, and eventually somebody at that business will become one of your champions and become a marketing and sales force for you to help you get hired or help you network within your industry. Mm -hmm. So good, Don's so good. So much, so much insight, uh, experience for, for young storytellers uh, and for transitioning storytellers. So uh, thank you for all that. I, I want to get to my last question in a minute here. I, sure. I'm really curious what that's going to be. But before I do, <laughs> I mean, I know the question, I'm a, your answer. Um, yeah. uh, but before I do, I want to make sure everybody has a chance to connect with you, whether it's through LinkedIn, through Twitter, whatever. Um, I will put links in the show notes for all okay. of that. But what's the place that you send people to connect with you the, the best? My, my two connection points, my two main connection points right now are Twitter uh, and it's, it's at the number three Rhino Media. And then the other where I go deeper with people is on LinkedIn. And I really think what LinkedIn offers as far as value is huge right now. Um, the ability to build and connect and go deeper. Uh, kind of like, I think of, of Twitter as, hey, I'm going to a networking event and I'm gonna meet a bunch of people. And then I meet a bunch of people there. And then LinkedIn is, hey, let's go out to dinner and talk. So like you that. meet at a conference or something like that. So my, and my LinkedIn is Don Stanley, S-T-A-N-L-E-Y, uh, 1294. Cool. All right. We'll put those links in the show notes and uh, the website and all that other stuff too. Uh, so Don, if someone were to say to you, now, I don't know if this is even possible because you are just a storyteller, I think. Um, Don, you're done being a storyteller. You can no longer tell stories. What would your last story be that you'd want to leave behind? The last story I would want to leave behind would be a story that we all matter, we all have worth, and we all have the right to believe in ourselves, care about ourselves, and to, to share that with others, that we don't need affirmation from other people, that we need to give it first to ourselves. And then when we find that, um, we come from that place. I think we all are better off because we're true to who we are and what we, what we can offer the world. And I think when we come from that place, we don't feel competitive. We feel collaborative. 
and we feel purposeful and powerful rather than powerless. And, um, and I think that is, if I could give that to everybody in the world, because I've struggled with that for a long time, uh, as I went through a number of career transitions, um, I, that would be, that would be a gift that I think would, would be, um, the story, uh, the story, I guess, that I would want to tell. And hopefully it leaves that gift with people. Incredible. Good stuff, man. Thank you so much for making some time out of your day to give this to the storytellers, man. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for giving me a platform to connect with your tribe as well. Once again, thank you so much to my friend and colleague, Don Stanley. You can connect with him at those links he mentioned in the show notes and more. And if you enjoyed the episode, please consider sharing it with someone who could get something out of it. A lot of people could. In fact, I think I venture to say almost all of us can get something out of this because we could stand to hone our origin stories and find our true fans in everything we do. Uh, so there you go. Post it to social media, send it in an email, tell someone about it. I appreciate that very much. And if you want to share your story with me and connect, go to the storytellersnetwork.com. Send me an email and, uh, and let's have a chat. Hey, thank you for listening all the way to the end. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Cheers.